Welcome once again to another episode of the Random Access Podcast brought to you by RAPodcast.net. This is episode 498, recorded live on Saturday, February 4th, 2017. And here are your hosts, the man who had leftover pasta for breakfast, Dave Pillay. Hi. And the man who had brownies for breakfast, Andy Lowe. Hi. Brownies. Brownies, yes. For breakfast. Yes. Well, Kate made them last night, but I didn't get around to eating them because I had more of the chicken and rice pilaf that we had for dinner. Okay. So we didn't have them last night, so they were just sitting on the counter next to my coffee machine. So I thought, hey, you know what would be brownies good right now? Brownies for breakfast. Brownies, yes. Brownie mix. Brownies. <laughs> Thank you. Did you just request brownies be made? I may have just requested that brownies be made. <laughs> In my defense, I took a two-hour break in the middle of work yesterday to go downtown to get a marriage certificate uh, prepared, and I still put in a 13-hour day. I see. We had a power outage at work. Oh, does that... For for you, because I know what happens for me when there's a power outage, so for you when there's a power outage, does that just like... Is that more work or less work? Uh, that was more work for me because uh, it was the sales office area. So all of our sales workers, you know, who use all of our, you know, uh, digital based accounting software and such in order to do their job mm-hmm. uh, on their computers. Since all the computers went down, everybody was like, we need this fixed. We need this fixed. We need this fixed. And then I'm like, OK, <laughs> so you get you get more work. Yes. Okay, because we did have a power outage, I think it was like a year and a half, maybe closer to two or three years ago, uh, and <laughs> I work at a software company. And? So the power went out, and everyone just looked around, and like, um, guys, um, what do we do? <laughs> and so we all just got out in the hallway and started chatting, because no one could do work. I'm sure there were people whose, whose workloads went through the roof, because it's like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, get the power back on. But for the rest of us, we're just sitting there like, I, we, we can't do anything. There is nothing for us to do. All right, hold on. I am. I'm checking something here right now. Yeah. Okay, so our building, according to Google Maps, is about 6,000 square feet. Okay. All right, so 6,000 square foot building. How many circuit breakers do you think there would be? In a 6,000 square foot building? Yes. Oh, let's say it's twice the size of my friend's house. Yes. So you're going to have a main junction box. Yes, that is correct. And it probably splits out into how many floors is your 6,000 foot building? Two. There's a basement oh. and a main floor. All right. So I'm going to guess it splits out into two breakers. Um, nope, because it's going to be smaller breakers. They're not going to want one big one. Uh, I'm going to say one in the basement and two on the first floor. You are incorrect. Oh, I was so hoping. Um, because I know of three breakers. Okay. I found a fourth when I was looking to try and see, you know, where this circuit that the entire room was on yep. um, was. I found a fourth one and none of them were tripped. Ah. So, you know, I'm calling in the electricians going, we've got a circuit here that's not working, but none of the circuit breakers are tripped. So none they, of the circuits they, that I can find. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah. Well, I'm like, there's a circuit breaker here, there's a circuit breaker here, there's one here, and there's one there. And they're like, okay. And so they go through them all, and they're like, there's nothing wrong with any of these circuit breakers. So then they actually start tracing the wires through the wall, and that's when we find a fifth circuit breaker box. Five breakers. Five breaker boxes in this one building. 
five of them. All right. Which well, then it turns out all we had to do was just, you know, flip the right breaker and everything went back again. Yeah, but finding that breaker. Yeah, five of them. Five. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was, oh, it was the most ridiculous morning ever, which, you know, went into afternoon by the time we actually got everything settled. It was just like, oh. It's one of those times I just wanted a nice, easy Friday, you know, to just do some desk work. And instead, I'm sitting here, you know, on my hands and knees. Trying to get power back up. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, no, that's, yeah, power outage on Friday was not the best way I wanted to end my week. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. So yeah, so Kate, you know, I was complaining to Kate about this. She made brownies, but then I never mm-hmm. ate them, so I decided to have them for breakfast. Because I'm an adult. I mean, if you, well, but think about it, like, what what goes into brownies? Well, there's egg, flour, right, butter. Right, yeah. Milk? Uh, no. You don't put milk in brownie mix? I don't think so. No, really? I think this. I, I think this one's a, the powdered mix. Hold on, let me see if I got the box still on the counter. I, well, I, I don't mean like your brownies specifically. I mean in general. Do you not put milk in brownies? Flour, salt? Ah! Okay. I guess there's no milk in brownies. Uh, water, vegetable oil, egg, ingredients, sugar, flour, iron, no surprise, cocoa. Yeah. Wheat starch, salt, sodium bicarbonate, syrup, has no, uh, oh, contains wheat and milk, it says on the side of the box. Yeah, but that's probably just like there for the hell of it. It's probably milk powder or something. Probably. Oh, the syrup contains lactose. Ah. So there's a milk derivative in there. That's what's going on. Milk. I'm sorry. I'm going to say that. Whatever the damn way. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm well aware of it. It's, we've been doesn't doing this. Doesn't mean I have to like it. Dave, we've been doing this for over 10 years. It doesn't mean I have to like it. <laughs> yeah, but you're not going to change me now. Nope. RA podcast, especially milk. Milk. I'm also glad I grabbed this box out of our cardboard recycling because there's eggshells in here. Oh, that should not go in recycling. No, no, it shouldn't. So I'll have to deal with that after the podcast. Yep. So my the point I was driving to, of course, is that, you know, brownies contain a lot of what you'd normally find in other breakfast foods, like yep. waffles. Mmm, waffle. Mmm. Did I, I, like did I tell book. you I have a book now that's called Will It Waffle? You did not? Yes, what I have. What is said book? It's, it's, a, it's a book called Will It Waffle, 53 Irresistible and Unexpected Recipes to Make in a Waffle Iron. What are some of the unexpected recipes? I'm not sure. I haven't actually read this book yet. <laughs> you have the book. I have book the book. Waffle Recipes. Yes. And you haven't read the book about waffle recipes. Yes. Andy. I'm disappointed. I'm sorry. Oh, he's coming out with a second book called Will It Skillet? 53 Irresistible and Unexpected Recipes to Make in a Cast Iron Skillet. Yeah, but skillets are like... Uh, uh, many things would cook in a skillet. Yes, I know. Waffled tofu with sticky rice? Waffled quesadilla? Uh, no, the waffled quesadilla, that could work. A waffled quesadilla would work. Yeah. I've kind of... Uh, speaking of other food topics, McCormick has stopped making their quesadilla spice mix. Okay. Should so that I, mean something to me? Well, um, it means something to me in quesadillas because that's, you know... That, that was your go-to spice mix for quesadillas? Yes, because, you know, you just chopped up the chicken... Threw in the spice mix, stirred it up, tortillas, oh, you, and... You poor guy, you'll have to go with, like, the Taco Bell spice mix instead. Or I could just actually learn, you know, what's in a quesadilla mix. Yeah. Construct then my you own spice mix. Spices and... Oh, God, Andy. <laughs> what? Don't, down that whole, don't go down that path, Andy. We're going to lose you. You're going to sit there and, like, start tinkering with spice mixes. What if I add another pinch of coriander? I just picture you in your kitchen at like three in the morning cooking five quesadillas all on different waffle irons. 
I'm like, getting- no, I have to get it right. Now I've got the fancy, getting fancy with the spices line going through my head. Mm-hmm. Right, so we need to not talk about food because the brownies are in the kitchen and I'm here. Oh, you poor thing. I know. Man, that's the third time already. <laughs> no brownie mix. There is chocolate cake mix. Can I have a chocolate cake? Thank you. <laughs> cake. All we need now is to me to open up my Jimmy John's app and order lunch while the podcast is going on. I mean, what's stopping you? Uh, I've got Besides more red. I've got red beans and rice in the refrigerator. I need to eat. That's what I was going to eat: is red beans and rice. So um, we should talk about news, though, right? I I suppose I'm still stuck on the Bill Cosby chocolate cake routine, though. <laughs> oh, Bill Cosby. chocolate cake for breakfast. Oh, Bill Cosby so for breakfast. This is a this is a, a conversation we had at lunch at work uh, just yesterday, actually, about Bill Cosby because, like, he evidently did some pretty terrible things. Yes, right. Should that reflect upon enjoyment of his work? Should you feel bad for finding his material funny? That's- and so the, the kind of logical extension is: if Hitler were also a comedian, would it be inappropriate to like retell his jokes? Uh, that's you see, I've had that same exact. I think a lot of us have in recent yeah. times. And by the way, I'm I'm definitely not trying to compare Bill Cosby to Hitler. No, I'm I'm taking the the theoretical philosophical discussion to that extreme. Well, um. Also, something you could think about also is uh, there's a thing that happened, uh, f- what, uh, 2012, after uh, Jimmy Seville died. He was a BBC TV personality. Um, he was like BBC kids show guy for decades. Um, it came out after his death that the BBC was covering up uh, sexual abuse scandals with him. Okay. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, how many kids did he help? How many? It was. Right. Like, it'd be like if Mister Rogers. It suddenly came out that Mister Rogers was, you know, sexually abusing kids. It's one of those things where right. it's like, and and but so something like that. There's there's the added complexity of like they were running kids shows. Yeah, and you know, did they use the 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 work, the comedy, or the in this case the kids show to get closer to kids? Because that puts a, a very different color on the whole thing. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's like. How do you disconnect the the person from their works? And should you? Yeah, that's, that's the bigger. That's the biggest question: is, is should the person be disconnected? It's it's a hard one. You don't even have to leave it to comedians. It's things like um, Buddy Rich, Victor Borg, Victor Borga. Yeah, Victor Borga supposedly was quite an asshole to people. He was he I, was a horrible person to work with. I don't actually really find that too surprising. But it's one of those things where it's like, you hear, you know, they're, they're funny things. Victor Victor was a hilarious guy. Yeah. Buddy Rich was an amazing jazz drummer. But you hear the, you hear the stories and you're like, oh. Oh, he's an asshole. Yeah. But damn, he's funny. But like, is is there a is there a level at which the the negative outweighs it? Right. I, Take it back to the extreme. If Hitler were a comedian or a painter, right? <laughs> would you go if if he had been successful at painting? I mean, the Holocaust wouldn't have happened. Uh, but would would you go to a museum and see his artwork and go like, oh man, that's gorgeous, dude was the monster? But wow, look at that art. <laughs> So, so you're saying on a scale from one to Hitler, how, how bad, bad do you need to be? <laughs> to be clear, I'm actually saying it's on a scale of zero to Hitler plus one, which is to say, do you need to be worse than Hitler before that happens? Is there ever a limit at which point at which that is the the limit? These are the sort of things that we talk about at lunch. 
You see, I just sit by myself at lunch and play Hearthstone. Oh, no, we, we try to have lunch together as a team or, you know, there's a lot of fun people where I work. Yeah, I just sit by myself in the basement. I can hear the beaters being turned on downstairs. <laughs> I'm getting chocolate cake <laughs> and I'm so excited. <laughs> So, all right, so something that's not food. That wasn't food. Well, the, the beaters and the chocolate cake is yes, food. Yes, that's what I'm trying. I'm trying to get away from food. Away from food. A philosophical discussion is a good way to open a weekly podcast. Absolutely. Especially when it's supposed to be about news. We may have gotten off topic. Yes. Topics! Refresh my list. There. Oh, wow, we have topics. Look at that. This is what happens while I'm waiting for my coffee maker to, to, to warm up. God, I thought that you would, like, walked away from the computer and we were done. And then I come back and there's, like, a shit more. Okay. Uh, we could talk about the ever-changing world of media. We got some we got some FCC stuff in there. We got some Sony stuff. We got some Comcast stuff. Can we can we start with Pac-Man? We can start with the sad news, sure. Start with the sad news. Uh Messiah Nakamura, who founded Namco and uh was was one of the kind of key people in, in Pac-Man, uh, has passed away. Was he the one I don't think I'm trying to remember if he was the one who came up with the idea. Let's see. Go, go, Wikipedia. Yeah, all right, I didn't think so. So he's regarded as the father of Pac-Man. He didn't actually make Pac-Man. Pac-Man no? was created by Toru Iwatani, who worked for Namco. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Pac-Man, it, he, he got it, actually. So it's almost exactly what you would think it is. Uh, he was sitting at a pizza place and took a slice out of the pizza and said, that, that's a game right there. Pac-Man was literally a piece of pizza missing a slice. Which, that's Is perfect. exactly what yeah. it looks like, right? Like, that's like, yeah. ah, yeah, all right. God, man, some of these things, though, it's like Namco. Namco was one of those major arcade guys. Yeah. Like, you think of the classic arcade games, and some of them are Namco. Yep. I mean, the, the word Namco is the Nakamura Amusement Machine Company, Machine Manufacturing Company. Wow, I'm going through their list of games. I'm only in like Namco. 1993, and holy crap, there's a bunch of them. I mean, they were really big in the early gaming industry. Yeah, Time Crisis, Ridge Racer, Pac-Man, and all of the following games. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that was just their arcade things. I didn't even get to the... Um, Consoles? Yeah, I didn't even get to the console games. <laughs> a lot of them were the same. Yeah. What was it? It was, uh, so Nakamura, if I'm remembering, and I'm, I'm also browsing Wiki to just try and refresh my memory, uh, he bought the rights to distribute Atari in Japan. Oh, really? Oh, no, he just bought Atari Japan. All right, oh. well, there you go. <laughs> Sega had offered $50,000. Nakamura put in $800,000. So Sega was offering to purchase Atari for 50000 Atari Japan. And Nakamura comes in and says, like, no, I will pay you $800,000. 16 times as much. So he has passed away. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's even here in the article. Pac-Man was designed by Toru Iwatani. Yeah, there's a... I mean, just looking at this list of games again, they they contributed pretty heavily to, like, the the collective memory of gamers yeah no i you could probably talk to people i'd say probably what 10 or 20 years older than us who would probably talk about you know going to the pizza place going to the arcade and playing pac-man and mrs pac-man it's one of those things where it's like that was probably people's first foray into gaming was through maybe they did a lot with with cabinet gaming but yeah galaxian galaga so they really pushed um 
shmups, the vertical uh, vertical scrolling shoot 'em ups. Um, yeah, they did some racing games with things like pole position, Pac-Man, which there's been really, if you think about the, the genre of gaming and what Pac-Man is, can you think of another game that is of similar concept? Not that I can think of. Like a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. A bunch of people copied vertical shooters. Yeah. But Pac-Man was, was very different. Oh, so I just, you know, thought about the classic arcade of Goebbels, which is, you know, kind of the pinball Pete's of um, West Michigan. Sure. And I'm looking on their thing there. I see one, two, three, four, five. I see the Indiana Jones. I see Adam's Family Pinball. I see a couple other ones there. And I also see Rush the Rock sitting right there in the middle of its camera. <laughs> like, What oh. is Rush the Rock? Yeah, that was that was the sequel to Rush. Oh, The driving okay. game. See, I always just played Rush 2049. So there's a place out here, by the way, that just opened up called Geeks Mania. Mm-hmm. Uh, $15 admission. All games, pinball, and pool free to play. Yeah, ours is like that. It's $5. Nice. But I, I wonder if your selection is more robust than ours. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what your selection is like. I don't know either. I've never actually been there. Like, But they always sponsor, <laughs> they always sponsor pinball at the zoo. Mm-hmm. So that's why I keep hearing about them going like, man, I really got to go there at some point. But I just, I just never get around to it. Hmm. And they just posted on their Facebook that today from 11 to 3, you can buy Girl Scout cookies. <gasps> oh, shit. It's February. Girl Scout cookies. Hide. Wait, I thought we were getting off of food. Yeah, sorry. Um, did you know that IMDb had a message board? Yes. You see, I didn't know this. Do you know that there's nothing of quality on there? Well, that makes sense because IMDb is shutting it down. And according to them, <laughs> we've concluded that IMDb's message boards are no longer providing a positive, useful experience for a vast majority of our more than 250 million monthly users worldwide. I wonder how many of those 250 million users actually go to the message boards. I didn't even know they existed. Yeah, well, the the silly thing is, like, there's the message boards, but then there's also places where you can post a lot of other information. So why would you ever go to the message board? I don't know. <laughs> I did find out by going to IMDb that in the new Voltron, in one of the episodes, Weird Al does one of the voices. Oh, jeez. Oh, my God. So did Nolan North. This is great. When when Netflix just says, like, we want to do something, who wants to be a part of it? I love it. Well, Netflix is actually going at basically Sony says Netflix is part of their problem. Yeah. Because Net, uh, Sony has said that they are doing a billion dollar write down in the third quarter of this year, uh, blaming weaker profits as online streaming services have sapped demand for movie DVDs. So a billion dollar write down, meaning they're saying that their value of their film department is now a billion dollars less than what they thought it was going to be. Ouch. Because all that money got sucked up by Netflix. Basically, they're saying that, you know, uh, the reason it's cut down is they had to cut its outlook for earnings from DVD, Blu-ray discs, and other home entertainment in line with market decline. Fewer people are buying DVDs because why buy them when you can just stream it? Which is kind of funny. I was about to say for free, but it's not free. You, You have to pay for it. Um, it's just funny because actually yesterday, while I was waiting for the um, electricians to arrive, I was reading an article posted by one of the guys who did special effects for the, the Star Trek series about how come there isn't going to be any sort of Blu-ray release for um, Voyager and DS9. Yeah. And he was talking about Why how... When they're on Netflix. Well, he's saying like, you know, the, the, the box sets, you know, like they did with uh, TNG and with the original series where they, you know, did all the special features upgraded all the the visuals and everything yeah 
they're not going to do it because there's no market for those things anymore. Right. He talked about, I think it was Warner. He actually bought us a DVD from them. It had a static DVD menu screen. He's what? like, I, I, I put it in there and I thought it was freaking 1999 again. It just sat there as a static screen? Yeah. What? Because they were, like, you look at the special features now for DVDs. They're not really doing any of that anymore. It costs too much. Yeah. The, the one, I think the biggest drawback of DVD was the, like, five pirating screens of don't copy this, don't copy this and the forced previews yeah the forced previews was pretty dumb which i used to be able to get around using the our old dvd player i still haven't figured out the correct buttons to press on our new one on our blu-ray player yeah because the blu-ray player's got some sort of like secondary button but it doesn't seem to work correctly i'm not sure i do have to say though it it is nice that our remote has literally a netflix button on it though so yeah, ours, uh, ours has a, a netflix button and a youtube button and those get used more than just about anything else yeah yeah, no, our, the Blu-ray one is nice, where it's like, oh, yep, Netflix, boom. Because before, you know, in order to do things like Amazon video, which we used to do, um, we'd have to, you know, go to the home menu and then go to the internet menu and then over and down and select, and that would finally bring up the Amazon. It's like a cheat code. Yeah, that's that's how we used to do to get to Amazon. But no, the Netflix is literally just boom, Netflix. Yeah. And just so you know, I have actually started rating some of the things I've seen on Netflix. Yay. Good for you. So we'll I still see. think Netflix needs to do a, a who's watching now button of like selecting multiple accounts and having it adjust the recommendations for that. Okay, so yeah. Yep. I've re- okay, it's rented a rate rated a couple of things. Good yeah, for you. No, the Sony yeah. And did you did you downrate the things you didn't want to watch? Not yet. Okay, because that's the other important part. Yeah, yeah no, that's the... That's so Sony... The, hmm? So a, a billion dollars just disappeared from Sony. Yes. Oof. Maybe they'll make it back. They have some good movies coming... No, they have a good... They have a potentially good movie coming out. Uh, okay, well, that so... that de-escalated quickly. In 2016, Sony Films accounted for 8% of U.S. and Canadian movie sales. So that's fifth, according to the major studios. Okay. This year, the, the big movies that Sony is counting on, according to them, are... Spider-Man, no surprise yeah. there. Um, Smurfs and Jumanji. I, I can't believe that they are counting on the Smurfs. Yeah, not only that, this is like, what, the third Smurfs movie? How did the first ones do? I don't... Smurfs box office. Let's see. Well, the first Smurfs movie made $563 million worldwide. Okay, and cost? Uh, $110 million. Oh, it's not too bad. No. Uh, let's see the the Smurfs series. Smurfs, uh, Smurfs two made seventy one million worldwide. That that is down from the other number, isn't it? Yeah, that had a budget of one hundred and five million. So that lost money. Yes, like a lot of money. Oh, sorry, that was the domestic gross. Worldwide, it made okay. three. World, sorry, yeah, I have to I have to forget that there's people outside the U.S. in the movie world now. Yes. <laughs> uh, worldwide made three hundred and forty seven million. So, so it still made money, but it's still worse than the first one. Yes, but the the Smurfs, the first one, a lot of the gross was domestic. No, sorry, sorry, worldwide for the Smurfs was five hundred sixty three million. Right, box office mojo needs to fix their page. 
So the the takeaway is they're counting on the Smurfs to be a successful movie and Jumanji with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Perhaps this is not Sony's year. Probably not. Wow. Worldwide last year, the number one movie was Captain America 3 with $1.1 billion. It was a good movie. That was a good movie. Rogue One followed closely with a billion. That was also a good movie. Same with Finding Dory. That was a less good movie. Yeah, no, I I watched that one for free on the airplane because I had two hours to kill. (laughs) That's, I was like, oh, all right. I've watched all the other Pixar films except Cars and Cars 2. You haven't seen Cars yet? I haven't seen Cars yet. Kate somehow thinks I've seen Cars, but I have Have not seen Cars. Have you seen Planes? I have not seen Planes either. So you're just ignoring that that universe in Pixar. Really? Wait, so there are more Pixar movies I haven't seen? List of Pixar films. Thank you, Wikipedia. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. yes, R.A. Podcast. Yes. Ten years of Dave and Andy reading Wikipedia. (laughs) Yes, 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 no, yes. Yes, 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 yes. You're right. So, well, technically, Planes is not listed as a Pixar film. Are you looking at just all films or only films released to theaters? List. I'm looking at the Wikipedia article, list of Pixar films. Did I make up that they made a film called Planes? I swear they made one called Planes. Planes Film, a 2013 3D animated film produced by Disney Toon Studio and released by Walt Disney Pictures. That counts! Despite not being produced by Pixar, the film was co-written and executive produced Produced by Pixar, uh, John. Oh, okay, so yeah, they he was it was produced by Pixar, but not actually done by Pixar. It counts. I uh, it's one of those things. That's a that's a gray area for me because I've seen you know quote unquote executive producers just on there just so they could actually get the rights to do it. One right. of those things. But Andy, who are they purchasing the rights from? Basically themselves. <laughs> right. Disney owns Pixar. Yeah. So other movie news, the yeah. ISPs no longer are going to send out copyright alerts. Those scary emails? I thought this was just in Canada that they were stopping it. Not, I don't think so. So these are these are the scary mails and sometimes emails where it's like, hey, we've been alerted that you were doing this with this file. Yes. Please stop That's doing this. Illegal. Please stop doing it or we might like revoke your service. And then you throw out that letter and nothing ever happens. Unless you get three of them. So now are they stopping the whole program or are they just stopping the the actual mail? On Friday, the Center of Copyright Information issued a joint statement saying that after four years of extensive consumer education and engagement, the copyright alert system will conclude its work. That doesn't answer the question. The program demonstrated yada, yada, yada. Uh, I mean, it was effective. I know a couple people who, like, they do not do it anymore because they got that notice and they realized that people were watching what they were doing. We want to thank everyone who put in the hard work to develop this program, make it a success. While this particular program is ending, the parties remain committed to voluntary and cooperative efforts to address these issues. Variety pointed out that um, one of the challenges is the fact that people didn't care and the fact that the nature of copyright infringement has morphed into other areas like online streaming, which makes sense. It's one of those things where it's like, okay. they were so focused on the Pirate Bay that they completely missed the fact that Netflix was there. 
that and, you know, any other sort of online live streaming. Ah, you mean like when I plug a, a movie into my Twitch channel? Yes, things like that. So let's see, other TV news, Comcast mm-hmm. and Roku. Okay, Roku makes the set-top boxes for uh, Sling, like Sling casting, right? Well, this is for your Roku box. Uh, Comcast is making its Xfinity TV service available to subscribers with a Roku box, with a new Xfinity app. Neat. So I wouldn't need to have a cable, well, no, you still have to be a subscriber. Yes, you'll still have to subscribe to Comcast, but you don't have to pay the $15 a month for the Xfinity set top box you just have to buy a roku box yes which costs how much uh, according to amazon uh 41 okay so a couple months later and you're even yes so even though you know the fcc didn't get through their set top box requirements comcast said all right we're doing it anyway yeah and i think that's so it's, it's an interesting place. Is that as a result of the FCC saying, hey, this doesn't look good. We need to make changes to it. And then the industry fought back really hard and said, no, 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 no. Nothing needs to change. But then afterward, and they won, right? The FCC backed down. Yes. But then afterwards, it's the industry going like, shit, if we don't get ahead of this, this could come back again later. Yes. So this is really a, a result of that process. It's not regulated that they have to do this, but they're they're choosing to try and get ahead of it for next time. Yeah, they're saying majority of Comcast customers most likely will stay with their set-top box, yeah. but customers with Roku players will be able to watch live TV, browse on-demand libraries and recorded shows, just like they can with their set-top box. And um, if you use the Roku as your primary device, you'll get a $2.50 monthly credit. Oh, neat. It's even cheaper. Yeah, so your $15 a month for your set-top box will actually be a credit of $2.50. Too bad you can't get the whole credit of $15, but take it when you can. Yeah. Well, that would be nice. Granted, you know, I really would love this for ours because our current set-top box can only record uh, two programs at once, even though I know that DirecTV has boxes out there that can record four. And it should be pretty easy if I wanted to build my own to record for. I could do that. Why are you recording so much television? Because we have how many things? How many things are on at the same time that you want to watch? Uh, we've had a couple of times where at least three things have been on at the same time. I I know that for a fact because there's been some stuff that I wanted to record and it says I'm sorry we can't do this because you already have two things that you're already recording at that time. So if we had four, I have a feeling there's nothing. There's going to be no time ever that we're going to actually be using all four. But it'd be nice to have it when we do, especially since you know we can play back things as they're recording so we can do our own temporary time shifting mm-hmm. all right yeah you got uh, roku and you got comcast yep so other news about the fcc yes since we're talking about the fcc regulation for set-top boxes and how that spawned this uh the the new fcc chair it this is a little scary so this is um ajit pai yes chairman pai Chairman Pai had been in the FCC, right? He worked mm-hmm. with with Chairman Wheeler. Yes, he was the one who spent, I do believe, ten minutes reading his dissent to the net yep. neutrality rules during the conference. Yep. Well, he's now the chairman of the FCC and has already taken steps 
to essentially destroy net neutrality. So you know those that, that data plan that you have with FCC? Yes. How they say, like, if you watch movies through our stuff, it's free, right? Yeah, the, the AT&T, you know, if you have an AT&T phone, you have DirecTV, you don't have any sort of data cap whatsoever. And, you know, yeah. T-Mobile yeah. and Verizon both do stuff as well. Yeah, and the FCC was, was like, investigating this, saying, like, ah, uh, that's, that's kind of against this whole idea of everyone is equal on the net. And Chairman Pai has said, we're going to drop these investigations. Huh. Saying that they they have enhanced competition. So because T-Mobile is offering one thing and Verizon's offering another and they're all trying to beat each other, they are competing and that's good. And yes, they are competing. And yes, that is good. But they're also competing in a level that other people can't compete in. Not going to argue that one at all. So, yeah... God, I still can't believe they're deciding to muck with the Lifeline program. That's that's my big one right there. Says you're going after the Lifeline program. That's the one for like getting internet to rural America. Yes, that used to be uh, the Lifeline program provides low income households with a nine dollar and twenty five credit per month for which to buy discounted home internet service or cell phone service. Okay, nine twenty five isn't going to get you a lot of cell phone service, but it's better than having nothing. Yes. Um, so Wheeler expanded before it was originally just landlines and cell phones, but then 2016 chairman Wheeler expanded it to include internet, which, you know, that makes sense. That's, you know, if you're <laughs> hmm, 925 to buy a landline phone or 925 to get internet to the house. Hmm. Yeah. So he nixed nine companies from working in participating. the new, yeah, from participating in the lifeline program. Yep. He is just uh, kind of tearing the FCC apart from the inside. Which, okay, this one kind of confuses me because when Chairman Pai first came in there, his first thing that he did when he was talking to the FCC as a whole as the new chairman was talking about reducing the digital divide. Yeah. Like, that's the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, you know, there's a digital divide here. I'm going to work on that between, one. Between poor and and non-poor. Yeah. Between rural and urban. Not that those are the same thing. That, it it's, just, that's, that... <laughs> That's that's giving with one hand and taking away with the other. Literally, it's just... Who did he used to work for? Oh, Chairman Pai? Um, That's an excellent question. Ajit Varadaraj Pai. Worked in the courts, worked in the courts. Previously worked as a lawyer for Verizon Communications. There it is. Now, we, we, we can't start by holding that against him, right? We learned that lesson with Tom Wheeler. Yes, who is like the chief lawyer for Comcast. Well, basically the entire cable television association. Right. But yeah, Pi is like... I Yeah, I don't get that one because... It feels like he didn't leave behind his his allegiance to Verizon. Um, I just, I, it makes no sense. You say the things that, you know, you want to, you want to increase you know, the digital thing. You want to get rid of the digital divide and you say, nope, we're not going to do it for low income housing. And it's just like, well, I, I'm, I'm very confused by this. Well, now here's the thing. And this, you know, we, we need to remember that a lot of what we read is biased media. So back in 2016, the Universal Service Administrative Company uh, was investigated for the possibility of fraud or rather was used to investigate the possibility of fraud uh, in the Lifeline program, saying that there were duplicates who had signed up for the program improperly. Yes, no, there there have been, I, I'm not going to argue against it, there have been cases of fraud with the Lifeline program where people take advantage 
of those and say, hey, you know, you, you work through us, we can get you signed up for this program. And then it's kind of, it's, it's the same thing like uh, Medicaid and Medicare. Mm-hmm. Sort of that thing where, you know, you, you talk to people, you get them to sign some documents, and then you're... you're <laughs> There's abuse money. Yeah, on behalf yeah. of those people. But, you know, maybe maybe this last, like, these nine companies are ones that he he had been investigating. It's, it, it's still a bit fishy that he does all this on a Friday. When you announce things on a Friday, you're trying to— You don't want to, people to pay attention yeah. to them. Thank you, West Wing. It's just— oh. There's been plenty of stuff announced on a Friday. Yeah, I know. We we are—so the, the, the thing with that and, and the quote that's in the article that I know that you're looking at— Oh, I was just looking is, at Cla- uh, Commissioner Claiborne's uh, comments on this whole thing. Yeah? That's what I'm—I'm re- I'm not, I'm not actually in the article anymore. Is, is, okay. Are they quoting Claiborne in here or well, no? Well, they're, they're quoting the West Wing later on about the takeout the trash day. Yeah. No, that, that was actually from Claiborne who talked about yeah, that. Yeah, but the problem with that— is that the West Wing was produced in 1999, and the the quote is that no one reads the paper on Saturdays. That's true. We're in 2017. No one reads the paper. <laughs> People get their news from online, which works 24-7. That's funny. <clears throat> All right, what else? Um, some funnier news. So okay. we, all, we all know about... Ronda Rousey and Pokemon, right? Yeah, well, we all is probably pretty strong, but I remember about Ronda Rousey and and her love of Pokemon. Yes. Um, So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you're surprised sometimes to understand, you know, celebrities and their hobbies. Are people? Yeah. Yes. Um, Angela Hill... Who is also an MMA fighter? Uh, I guess during her some of her you know pre-fight weigh-ins and stuff mm-hmm. um, has video game inspired get-ups. In having in the past have included uh, a Fallout Vault Dread, uh, Vault Dweller, Afro Thunder, Dalsim from Street Fighter, <laughs> and this, that's a really good Dalsim. Yeah, and now the most recent one, she dressed up as Sagat. Including the eye patch and the little motion that he always does before the fight. That's fantastic. Holy crap. That's a really good outfit. Yeah, I know. I'm sitting there going like, yep, no. As soon as I see it, I'm like, yep. <laughs> that's that's from Street Fighter. Yep. Even with the <laughs> eye patch. <laughs> with, <laughs> with the eye patch. That was, uh, that was my work music last night. I just put on the Street Fighter soundtrack and just started listening. What was I listening to yesterday? <laughs> I was listening to something. I can't remember. It was one of those things where I was just, you know, sometimes, you know, I work at a radio station, but sometimes I just don't really want to listen to the radio. So, you know, YouTube is your best friend. Mm-hmm. So that that's, I thought that was just kind of funny. That is rather cute. So you have a topic on here about ransomware. Well, there's a couple of ransomware attacks. Which one do yeah. you want to talk about? Uh, police. Okay. Yeah, so the police department in Crocker Hill, Texas, Mm -hmm. uh, admitted on the 25th of January that they had lost years' worth of evidence after the department's server was infected with ransomware. Oops. Lost evidence includes all body camera video, some in-car video, some in-house surveillance video, some photographs, and all Microsoft Office documents. Oops. Lost data goes back to 2009. Oops. Well, shit. Data from that period backed up on DVDs and CDs remains intact. No surprise. Good. Uh, This is why you do backups? Yeah. The department lost data from ongoing investigations, though. Oh, that's not good. 
So uh, that sucks. The other ransomware one is a little it's it's not technically ransomware, right? Ransomware is a a category of malware that infects your computer and it encrypts your files. Yes. Um, This was was a it was actually just a ransom. It was not ransomware, uh, but they used software in the attack. They got in to a hotel and they got into three hundred dollar per night hotel, a three hundred dollar per night hotel. And they got into the the key management software for the electronic keys, and they they basically disabled all the locks so that the key wouldn't work on the lock. Oh, jeez. Now, to be clear, they did not get into the lock system. They got into the key system. So people so couldn't could, still they could get... lock the doors. No. Right? You could get out of your room. It's just that once you were out of the room and the door closed, you couldn't get back into the room. And so they held the hotel hostage and said, no one gets into their rooms until you pay us. Uh, why? Why did they have the the? <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, OK, you know, wh- why is this connected to the Internet? Sometimes you wonder about that sort of thing. Like, wh- yeah. why? It's I don't. So I actually sent this to a friend of mine who works in the, the hospitality industry. He's the, the reservation manager at a hotel. And I asked, like, I sent him this article. I said, like, what the hell? He's like, yeah, if you get into the network, it's probably not that hard to actually corrupt the programs. But any self-respecting hotel has fail-safe keys that are pre-programmed for exactly that reason. Yeah. And, like, how do you, even if, if you know, within the, the confines of why is this connected to the Internet, why don't you have a physical key? I... I don't know. I it's it's just like the the was it Brian sent me the news article about you know more radio stations that had their transmitters hacked to broadcast yeah. uh, music. It's just like come on now we've we've been over this thing for literally years. Stop it! Stop it now! And just you know deal with it. It's not hard. It's just people just don't know. Yeah, but when you're displayed a giant warning screen in red text on a gray background that says this device has a default password, mm-hmm. you'd think people might change it. You'd think so. But there have been times we're not. Uh, that was actually not the same software, though. The other software, that was the our version of it for our remote broadcasts. Mm-hmm. But the other boxes are a bit more archaic, i.e. I have to use IE in order to work with them because they don't work in Chrome. Yeah. So. Oh, 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 by the way, have you heard about this new reality show called Hunted? Uh, yes, actually. I. <laughs> Speaking of that, I actually had gotten an email. Oh, how long ago did I get that email? What, were they offering you a spot on it? Uh, hold on. Andy, did you compete in Hunted? No, no, I didn't. Were you offered to compete in Hunted? Some I, Somebody had, I had got sent in an email going like, hey, you know, should apply for this show sort of thing there. And I'm just like, no. No. No, I, I do not want to disrupt my life completely. You should apply for a reality show based on The Running Man. <laughs> I read it and I'm like, it seems interesting, but yeah, not going to do it. Especially since they wanted like teams of people mm. like, nope. Yeah, nope. Not, not going to do it. Yeah. So I'm just kind of, you know, nervous because it's just another sign of the dystopic future. It seemed interesting, you know, when I first read the thing, but still it's just like, uh, whatever. But yes, no, I had uh, tried out for that competition. Speaking of competitions though, mm-hmm. there was the Hyperloop competition last weekend. Okay. So we know about SpaceX and so they're building the Hyperloop. Yeah, the, the really low power, fast transit, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. 
Um, last year, they had the first part held at Texas A&M where, you know, over 200, um, sorry, over 120 colleges around the world, and I think over like 200 groups had, you know, competed at the design competition in order to move the, to the next stage of actually building something. Mm-hmm. Um, so 20, I think it was like 22 or 23 teams were allowed to actually compete in this year's competition where they actually built something. I think it's like half size or quarter size or something like that. And they actually ran it on the Hyperloop test track that SpaceX built in California. Okay. Uh, sorry, 27 teams from all over the world were there to show off their fully functioning pod. Uh, each one was built half the size of the potential finished products. So this is like a thing. Yeah. This is really potentially happening. This this is a like... I see this, and I think this is along the similar lines of the the DARPA Grand Challenge sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, not brought to you by a government entity, brought to you by SpaceX. Brought to you by a private company that's going to make a shit ton of money should this stuff work. Yes. To be clear, this company has just outsourced all of their research and development. To 23... International teams. Sorry, 27 international teams, yeah. Um, so, 27 teams came to California last weekend, uh, did their thing. They actually got put through a test before, you know, the the engineers are like, look, before you guys put them in the actual test track, we got to test them and make sure that, you know, it won't damage the test track. Yeah. Um, only three of the teams were actually allowed to compete on the test track. Oh no. (laughs) A team from the university in the Netherlands, a team from a university in Germany and MIT. Three teams. (laughs) were actually able to try and test it out. Yep. The, the top speed of the competition on this mile-long track, 58 miles per hour. It's not that fast. No. I mean, it's fast, but, like, that's a highway speed. Yes. Is that, oh, well, I, I guess we'll have to see where that goes, right? Yes. Um, Hopefully it goes up. Yeah, so th- th- this was just the first test track competition. There's going to be a second one in the summer. That's the final phase of the three-part competition. And all those 24 teams that weren't actually able to test, they can use... Basically, the engineers that said, this isn't going to work, this isn't going to work, and this isn't going to work, they have till this summer to fix their devices and then actually try it again on the, um, the new test track. So we'll see so, how this goes in the, in the yeah. summer. It's exciting. Yeah. Especially since SpaceX was actually live streaming this whole competition over the weekend. Neat. Yeah. Just so you also know, University of Wisconsin-Madison took home the Pod Innovation Award. Woo! So. Go us. There was also. What was their innovation? I'm not sure. I haven't. Say? There, there's an article I saw that had uh, all the pod designs of all 27 teams, mm-hmm. but that was a lot of things to click through. Okay. Oh, a whole 27, you poor thing. I know. Also, yeah. there was a team from Reddit there. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, so, not from the company Reddit. No, they, no. they met and organized they via Reddit. They met and organized on Reddit. Two of, none of the team had actually met until the first design challenge last year, where a couple of people, I think it was six of them, actually finally met in person because they actually had that's, to physically be there in order to, you know, present their design. That's hilarious. I like it. Turns out their Airbnb was the party house during the design challenge. So... So that was that competition. Uh, another competition that was held, AI versus poker players. Uh-oh. Can, can, I mean, AI is, is just going to look at pure probability, right? Well, it's heads up, no limit, Texas Hold'em against four human poker pros. Okay. But did the AI try to do psychology? Also, what's the difference between heads up and not heads up? Uh, I think heads up is where you actually can see all the cards. Like, what other people have? Yes. That feels like it removes the idea of poker. All right, hold on. I'm just seeing here. Da-da-da-da. Heads up, no limit, Texas Hold'em. wonder if Google will tell me exactly what that means. 
when only two players remain, special heads-up rules are enforced and the blinds are posted differently. In this case, the person with the dealer button posts a small blind while his or, his or her opponent posts the big blind. Okay, so it probably is still just regular poker, just with whatever the heads-up rules are. Okay. I don't know. Because, like, if you can see all the cards, that's not a game, Andy. No, but, um, so, the tournament was against four poker pros with $1.7 million in chips and over 220,000 hands played. Okay. And, um, basically they said the victory margin was large enough now that to count as a statistically significant win so that the <laughs> so so the ai won yes like pretty handily yes and according to the um carnegie the scientists at carnegie mellon university the algorithms that we used are not poker specific interesting so they took the rules of any imperfect information game or scenario and came up with its own strategy. So And evidently won pretty solidly. Mm-hmm. I'd like to know what strategy that was. I don't know. It'd be one of those things where could it be possible that humans do it? If not, you know. Right. Okay. Uh, Tesla batteries? Yes. Tesla and they're, a couple other companies uh, just this week basically put out 15% of the world's <laughs> battery production onto the electric grid cool it's one of those things where it's like really 15 percent yeah three massive battery storage plants have uh, are going online uh on any of these projects would have been the largest battery storage facility ever built combined they amount to 15 percent of the battery storage installed planet-wide last year yep just in these so this is just this is tesla saying like hey we've got batteries let's sell them to the power companies so that they can better handle peak time yes and emergencies yes it was tesla and AES and Alta Gas. Okay. All three of them have are going on or are probably on having, right now. Having been playing a lot of Factorio, <laughs> I can get behind this. Because in Factorio there's a a building that you can make called an accumulator that just it's a battery. It's a really big battery. It just stores energy and distributes it when you need it. All three of these projects also were completed within six months. Tesla has actually got finished in three. That's pretty impressive. I'm still thinking about getting like one of those power wall units. Well, there's got to be a, there's got to be a calculator out there of whether or not it would help. Yeah. Oh, it, it would help over time, especially if I got the like solar roof. Yeah, Tesla power wall cost calculator available online. Yeah, but I have to wait for the solar roof stuff, and not to mention the waiting list for Tesla. Okay. Oh, yeah. We hit the review. Yeah. Here's the. Um, yeah, this guy's blog has a pretty substantial, uh, simple solar slash battery return on investment calculator. Mm-hmm. But yes, if you want to, we can do the review. Well, I was just thinking, like it's it's about time. Yeah. No, we're we're about at that point. Yes. So my review. Yes. I would like to review Watch Dogs Two. Sequel to Watch Dogs. The sequel to Watch Dogs. Watch Dogs 2. Instead of the city of Chicago, where are we now? San Francisco. San Francisco. We are in Silicon Valley itself. And holy crap, it's Silicon Valley. It, It feels like San Francisco. It looks like San Francisco. Driving around in San Francisco. The thing is, I don't know San Francisco nearly as well as I know Chicago. Yeah. So for me, a little less impressive, shall we say. Well, it was just like uh, Grand Theft Auto 4. It's like I I knew a bunch of New York, so I could understand it, yeah. Same thing with um, DC and Fallout 3. Like I I get Mm. an idea, you know, of what's going on. Yeah, so, yeah it's, it's, it's enough to get by. Yeah, so the question is... Uh, the question? 
What did you play it on? PC. I played it on Steam. Okay. Did you um, patch it? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't buy it when it first came out. Okay. I waited quite some time. Uh, I, I know what happens with Ubisoft. <laughs> Fuck that. It's, I, I've had one crash where it, it just stopped in the middle and did not work. Um, the main characters of this game are the like most terrible stereotypes of hacktivist millennials that you could ever imagine. I say this as a millennial, like I am almost offended by some of the stuff that they do in this game. Laura just brought me chocolate cake. <laughs> Very nice. Um, there, there, there are in in Watch Dogs one. I'm not going to try. I don't want to spoil it because I know you haven't played it yet. The character has a personal motivation. They have something that is driving them. They have something that they need to do because, like, that is their life. Yes. In Watch Dogs two, it is more like, hey, government is watching us and corporations are getting to be like really big and take a lot of, of industry and like, we should stop that. Yeah, let's go and stop that. And what about this new guy? It's just, no, that's, that is Watch Dogs too. Is the like, yeah, let's go stop that because we're young and hip and hacktivists. I I was honestly expecting more. (laughs) I'm sitting there going like, and no, that's it. Oh, geez. Yeah. I much preferred the revenge story. Um, I mean, there's, there's a side mission. There's like a little mini mission where you, one of the, one of the characters sister is like a, a small time internet celebrity. And the, the character keeps telling her sister, like, you know, you need to be careful. There are people out there. They can do terrible things to you. And so to teach the younger sibling a lesson, you are a terrible person that breaks into her system and does terrible things. Like, you you are exactly the thing that you warn them about. Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Right. Okay, so the question is... Um, play Watch Dogs 1. All right, wait, are you just saying that you should play Watch Dogs 1 rather than Watch Dogs 2? I think if it were a choice of one or the other, I'd prefer Watch Dogs 1. If you like Watch Dogs 1, Watch Dogs 2 is, is fun. There's still a lot of the same mechanics. It's a different story, so there's... You know, it, it's... It's exciting, but play Watch Dogs 1. To me, there wasn't enough new stuff to say that Watch Dogs 2 is better. Now, did they, what, is there anything that got improved off of the previous Watch Dogs or no? No, I mean, the graphics are better. They added, um, so in Watch Dogs 1, you, you do all of the hacking yourself, like all of it. In Watch Dogs 2, they gave you a, a little remote-controlled car and a quadcopter, and you can do your hacking through those. So you can actually be in three places at once. Huh. And that's cute, and it's clever, and I like it. Um, but still, Watch Dogs 1 was, was... In Watch Dogs 2, when I invade a company and I start taking out security guards by, like, knocking them unconscious or by shooting them, I feel really bad that I'm doing this. Like, it doesn't feel like what the character would want to do. But the game lets you do it, because the game lets you play whatever. In Watch Dogs 1, that feels totally reasonable. Okay. How much did you pay for this, by the way? Just curious. Uh, I think I got it on sale for, like, 40 bucks. Okay. I don't remember exactly, but yeah. Let's see. Watch Dogs 2, currently $60. Yeah. Wait for it to go on sale. All right. That's what I got. The original Watch Dogs right now is $30. So get it on sale for like 20 probably. Put it on your wish list. So that's Dave's review. Random topic rolled ahead of time. Where would you go if you had a yellow submarine? Um... 
Where is, do, do I, I mean, where do I have the submarine? Where does it start? I don't know. Do I have the proper licensing to take it wherever I want? Because, like, it'd be kind of fun to put it in Lake Mendota. <laughs> but you can't really go anywhere. But, well, I, I mean, you take it out, right? You put it in, take it out. But, like, I, I don't know if I have the permits to operate a submersible vehicle in the lake. I don't even know what sort of permits you need to do a submersible vehicle in a lake. I, I don't know. I, I've never had a submarine. I've never thought about owning a submarine, so therefore I've never had to... <laughs> I, I need to talk to the Navy, I guess, or the Coast Guard. Who runs America? It's the Coast Guard, right? That yeah. would run the rivers. Yes. Yes, that would be the Coast Guard. So I'd need to really just call up some people at the Coast Guard and be like, I have a submarine. Where can I take it? Like, what is legally available for me to, to use the submarine? I, I, I don't know. Oh, I'd take it to Lake Michigan. Oh, that would be interesting. Take it and I'd to- start looking for, for sunken ships. Lake Michigan. Can you get up to Lake Superior from Lake Michigan? That's that's yes. those two locks, right? Um, I don't know that there are even locks between those two lakes. I always thought Michigan, Superior, and Huron were all essentially at the same level. Hold on, I'm checking. Yeah, uh, the Sioux locks go around there and St. Joe Island and some of the lakes. Oh, yeah, I guess you need to go through Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah. Damn you, Northern Peninsula. Yeah, I'd probably take it into Lake Michigan and then, you know, hang around there for a while. Yeah, if you wanted to, you could go, you know. I'd use it as a personal ferry between Milwaukee and Muskegon. Go down the St. Clair. Or even better, like, forget Muskegon. If I've got uh, uh, my own submarine, I'd use it as the thing between Milwaukee and Manistee. <laughs> That's, yeah, I'm like... Fuck Muskegon, I'd just go all the way up to Manistee and just hang out there. Yeah, no, that'd be your own personal connection. Yeah. Well, also, yeah, if you have a Lake Michigan, you could get over to Lake Erie. I mean, you could get out to the ocean. It just takes you a while. <laughs> Kate says that we should put a shark fin on top of the submarine. If I get a yellow submarine, Kate is allowed to put a shark fin on top of it. All right. How, where are the... Okay, so there's Buffalo. There's Niagara Falls. How does one get around Niagara Falls? Um... You take a left. Oh, the wetland canals, it looks like? Yep. Okay, so that's how there's, you... There's a canal uh, in Holt Colborn. Yes. That just cuts straight up. Bypassing Niagara Falls. Okay, that's how... I'm sitting there looking at it going like, I know people have gotten around like, Niagara Falls. How did they... There, there is a connection here somewhere. Where is it? Yeah, Laura and I were looking for places for... Um, for honeymoon and something that we it's advertised all the time on NPR is the Viking River Cruises. Oh yeah, no, I see those all the time also on TV. Yeah, so we were thinking about maybe looking at one of those. I bring that up because I'm looking at this river now and like, oh, that's kind of cute. I'm just like, you could go straight up, cut through a little chunk of Ontario. Yeah, take the lakes, uh, St. Lawrence Waterway up to Montreal Mm -hmm. and then Quebec City and then you're finally in the St. Lawrence River and then you're out into the ocean. Yeah. Oh, the St. Lawrence River is huge. Yeah. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Then you're in the ocean and it's cold all year. Also, Prince Edward Island is a tiny little island. Oh, really? There's a river that goes down into Where are you looking? Yes. I did not know that. From Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, well, from much further north in Montreal. You can get all the way down to Lake George, really? Wow. The waterways are pretty well connected. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, can you get into Lake Georgia? Yeah. Uh, There's a very tiny, tiny connection. In Ticonderoga. Yeah. I, I mean, you're not going to get a sizable boat down that. No, but who yes. knows how big this yellow submarine is? It's like a one-person yellow submersible. I think there are personal submersibles out there. I think, so there's my answer. I, I would take my yellow submarine and just explore the waterways. I'd take it on a magical mystery tour. Oh, you were waiting for that one. <laughs> yes. I think that's the same thing I said, actually, but okay. Deep All Flight. Right. DeepFlight.com. High performance personal submarines. No surprise, they do not list prices on their website. Really? If you have to ask. Yeah, one of those things like the Dragon, the Super Falcon, and the Super Falcon 3S. No, it, it literally is. If you have to ask, you can't afford it. Yeah, one of those. Yeah. Okay. Are we done? Uh, yes, I do believe that is a wrap. This has been another episode of the Random Access Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, corrections, suggestions, remarks, reviews, rebukes, retorts, or just rants, feel free to contact us. You can find us on Twitter at RAPodcast, or send us an email at mail at RAPodcast.net. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.